Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God which we find in Christ Jesus our Lord. I trust that even some of these newer songs that we're learning, you will pay attention to the lyrics because they teach us some wonderful biblical truths. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. We have been working on memorizing some scripture, some scripture that is found in 2 Peter. Our goal is to memorize verses 3 through 11. And last year we worked on verses 3 through 9, and we're kind of reviewing those verses uh, during the month of January. So look up here on the screen, please. We're going to do 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 is what we're going to end up with up here. And uh, read these verses, quote them if you can, as we share together. We'll start with the reference, and we'll say 2 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Can you, can you remember that all right? We're all right with that? 3 through 9. And then we'll read the verses and since we don't worry about remembering that at the end, I may forget it. All right, we'll just end with the ninth verse. Okay, here we go. Second Peter 1, 3 through 9. Whoops! His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly kindness, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Work on the passage of Scripture. Try to work through it. Try to apply it to your minds. Live it out through your hearts, and it will be part of your witness as we share together. Now, just, uh, just an explanation about the screen. We're having a little bit of difficulty with Power Pro this morning, which is our screen presentation. Yesterday, we met as a technology team, and we talked about how do you function when you have to go to plan B. Well, we may find out this morning, all right? So we're already on plan B? Okay. Chris told me during Sunday school that it might take place, and he told me how he was going to handle it, and we're there. So we're handling it, okay? All right, Hebrews chapter 5. I want you to look, first of all, at verse 14. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 11 through 14, but I want you to look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. As we grow together in our Christian lives, one of the things that we need to really work on is our discernment. Our discernment living in an age 
in which there are many contrasting voices. Now, I want to define discernment for you this morning so that you understand what we're talking about. Discernment is knowing good to do good. Discernment is knowing evil not to do evil, all right? And you and I need to understand that in this culturally correct time in which we live, it sometimes can be difficult to hear clear voices that help us discern what is good and what is evil. And so we, as the writer of Hebrews encourages us, need to practice discernment. It doesn't come naturally. We have to work at it. And as we grow together, discernment needs to be part of our lives. Now, as Christians, many times we are tempted. We are tempted to try to be non-offensive. We are tempted to try to be non-phobic, whatever in the world that is. You'll remember that just last month, there was a tragedy that took place in San Diego, California. A tragedy that took 14 people's lives and 22 people were seriously injured. Syed Farouk and Tashfim Melak stormed a Christmas party and shot up the place. Now, after the investigation took place, many of the neighbors knew that there was something that was wrong. They had seen some activity that they questioned in their minds, and then they discovered that there were all kinds of weapons, there were all kinds of pipe bombs, there were all kinds of destructive devices that this couple had. When the neighbors were asked, why didn't you say something? They said, we didn't want to be labeled as Islamic phobic. We as Christians don't like to be labeled either as any kind of phobic. We don't like to be judges. We try to be non-judgmental. And we try in our lives to get along with whatever means is possible so that we just don't make any waves. But you know, as I read the Word of God, I don't find that in the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is God's Word. I thought I might get a louder amen than that. And that the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. We believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. And we believe that without Christ, People are lost in their trespasses and sin and as a consequence will find themselves in a Christless eternity, a place that we call hell. Now as Christians, we need to understand that that is a pretty exclusive message. One way and only one way. One source of truth and only one source of truth. As believers, we need to understand that that's going to be offensive. The world will not receive what we have 
to say. And as believers, we need to understand that we are to be salt and light in this world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its seasoning power, it's not good for much. But to be used as a roadbed. And the reality is that one day there will be a time of judgment. Now, Matthew tells us to judge not that we be not judged. But one day, every man, woman, boy, and girl is going to have to stand before God and give an account. And God will open the books. And the Scripture says that whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast in the lake of fire. And so you and I, in this world in which we live, need to recognize that truth needs to be lived out from our lives. Now, are you still in Hebrews chapter 5? I want to begin with verse 11, and I want to read for you down through verse 14. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time ye ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The book of Hebrews tells us how we are to live. To encourage us as believers to recognize that there is a supremacy in Jesus Christ. And it's not about the old sacrifices that took place. It's not just about doing all of that stuff. It is recognizing that Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith, is the example for our lives. Amen? In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's all of those men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. And how do we run that race? We lay aside the sin that so easily enslaves us. And we keep our eyes focused on the one who is the truth. Amen? So that's the message of Hebrews. And here the writer says, you need to be teachers, you need to practice you need to have discernment so that you understand the difference between good and evil as you live out the truth from your lives. Now, what does that mean to us? How are we to discover growth in the midst of the culture in which we live? Growth, first of all, starts with getting the right message. We must get the right message if we are to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Next slide, please, Tyler. 
the writer of Hebrews says, you're dull of hearing. Has anyone ever said to you, perhaps a loved one, perhaps a spouse, you're not listening, or you didn't hear what I was saying? It happens to us a lot, doesn't it? And in the world in which we live, there is a lot of noise that is clamoring for our attention. And here the writer says, one of the challenges we have is getting the right message because we can't hear it. We're dull of hearing. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus talked about those who had ears, let them hear what the Scripture says. And in the Gospels, there are five different times that Jesus uses that phrase. He uses it when he affirms the message of John the Baptist because the people did not recognize that John was the forerunner of Christ and they did not listen to him. He used it when he told the parable of the soil and the seed. He used it when he talked about the enemy coming in Sowing tares in amongst the good seed. In Mark's gospel, he uses it when he talks about putting our light under the basket and when the salt loses its saltiness. The Beatitudes, which I quoted earlier. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the same question or statement that Jesus makes in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2 and 3, the message to the churches. Seven churches are outlined in Revelation 2 and 3. And at the end of each of those, Jesus says this, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Why? Because there's a message here, church. There's something that you need to understand. And you need to recognize that living out truth, being discerning believers, is so very, very important. This past week, I read an article which was interesting. The article is entitled, A Plea from a Millennial. Now, millennials are younger people within our culture. And this particular millennial is pleading with his generation that they recognize what truth is and live it out. He quoted a website, actually it's a YouTube video, that is entitled, I'm not a Christian, but, no, I'm sorry, I am a Christian, but, I am a Christian, but. And I went to the video and I watched it, and what it is, it's a number of millennials, younger people who say, I'm a Christian, but, and then complete that which describes their lives. I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. I have a gentleman in the community who calls me every once in a while. I have never met him. But he calls me because he struggles with the security of the believer. 
And he wants to know whether or not he can have eternal life because he has trusted Christ as personal Savior. This past Thursday, I received three calls from this gentleman. He said to me, he said, Pastor Tom, will I go to hell if I don't go to church? I said to him, as I have said before, have you received Jesus Christ as personal Savior? He assures me he has. I said, well, how do you get to heaven? He said, by trusting Jesus Christ as personal Savior. I said, what's the Bible say about going to church? Or about at least being with God's people? He said, well, in Hebrews 10, he knows his Bible. In Hebrews 10, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as men or some is. I said, okay. As a Christian, are you supposed to be living out the truth of Scripture in your life? He said, yes. I said, well, should you be with God's people in church then? He said, yeah, but I got all these issues. He started to give me his issues. It's okay. You understand that one day you will stand before God and God may well say to you, why didn't you spend time with my people in an assembly of believers? And what you're telling me, you're going to tell God is, God, I got issues. What do you think God's going to say? He said, I'm not sure. He hung up. He called me back. He said, Pastor Tom, I'm going to be in church on Sunday. I said, well, if that's how God's directing you, you ought to be in church on Sunday. Hung up. He called me back. He said, Pastor Tom, I'm not going to be in church on Sunday. I think God's okay with my issues. But think about this. You've heard it, have you not? I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible. I'm a Christian, but I don't pray. I'm a Christian, but... I don't serve the Lord in any specific category. Now, let me just stop right here. I am not promoting any kind of works gospel. I am not promoting any kind of works spirituality. But what I'm saying is that if the Bible tells us this is how we ought to live, then this is how we ought to live. Amen? I'm a Christian, but I don't tithe. I'm a Christian, but I don't witness. I'm a Christian, but I cheat on my wife. I'm a Christian, but I live with my girlfriend. I'm a Christian, but I look at pornography. I'm a Christian, but I'm gay. I'm a Christian, but I think abortion's okay. You see, folks, if we're going to grow, if we're going to be discerning, we've got to get the right message. God said it. 
that settles it, whether or not we have issues. God said it. It is truth, whether or not it's convenient to be lived out in our lives. God said it. We must follow it, even if it makes us culturally incorrect in our society. Amen? That's discernment. Knowing good. Knowing evil. But not only must we be discerning, we must ask ourselves some questions. Are we really listening to God's Word? Are we understanding what God has to say? in our lives, and what voices do demand our attention? Who are we listening to in order to live out? Let's just be honest. We need to get the right message. Not only do we need to get the right message, we need to respond to truth. We need to respond to truth. Verse 12 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be instructors. You ought to provide direction. You ought to be those that are lights and salt. The church is the pillar of truth in the land in which we live. I want to show just a very short video. It's, it's two minutes. And it's a professor who has just talked to a Chinese student who's been a Fulbright scholar. And this professor is talking about the influence of the church in culture. Tyler, can we show that, please? Some time ago, I had a conversation with a Marxist economist from China. He was coming to the end of a Fulbright Fellowship here in Boston. And I asked him if he had learned anything that was surprising or unexpected. And without any hesitation, he said, yeah. I had no idea how critical religion is to the functioning of democracy. The reason why democracy works, he said, is not because the government was designed to oversee what everybody does. But rather, democracy works because most people, most of the time, voluntarily choose to obey the law. And in your past, most Americans attended a church or a synagogue every week, and they were taught there by people who they respected. My friend went on to say that Americans followed these rules because they had come to believe that they weren't just accountable to society, they were accountable to God. My Chinese friend heightened a vague but nagging concern I've harbored inside that as religion loses its influence over the lives of Americans, what will happen to our democracy? Where are the institutions that are going to teach the next generation of Americans that they too need to voluntarily choose to obey? 
the laws. Because if you take away religion, you can't hire enough police. Did you catch that? If you take away religion, you can't hire enough police. Why? Because then there is no moral standing. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And there is no way that we can have a country built on freedom and liberty without a moral standing, without a truth source, without God's people living out that truth source from their lives. In 1969, Richard Nixon gave a speech. If you'll remember back to 1969, it was a time of unrest in our country, was it not? There were a lot of those who opposed the Vietnam War. There was a lot of free love and free living. And the media was focusing upon those who were living out that kind of lifestyle and against the federal government. There were protests. Richard Nixon called for what he termed the silent majority to live out truth in our country. Ten years later, 1979, Jerry Falwell formed what he called the moral majority. Where are we today? How are you and I responding to truth in our lives? We need to get the right message. We need to respond to truth. And we need to focus on the oracles of God. Did you note that in verse 12? It talks about the basic principles of the oracles of God. The utterance, the instruction. Now, God has given to us his truth three different ways. He's given it to us in creation. That's the universal law of God. That is the universal word of God. He's given it to us in the commandments, in his written word, in his communication to man through the Bible. And he's given it to us through Christ, the living word. How can we miss it? The oracles of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Why? That the child of God may be mature, growing, developing, truly furnished into all good works. The B-I-B-L-E. Hmm? Yes, that's the book for me, right? I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, the oracles of God. So necessary for us in our lives. We need to move quickly. We need to understand that weakness is meatless. Did you note that in the text? You need milk, not solid food. Now, we have someone in this church who owns a dairy that would tell you milk does a body good. I thought I might get one amen. I'm not sure I got it from Steve, but I thought I might get one. All right. 
And certainly milk is good for us, right? But I tell you what, some of the worst times in my life is when I have been placed by my doctor's orders on a liquid diet. Yuck. That ever happened to you? The problem is, some Christians have placed themselves on a liquid diet. Now, Scripture says that we are to desire the pure milk or the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. But the Scripture also tells us that we are not to be childlike, but that we are to be mature. That we are not to be carnal, but that we are to be spiritual in our lives. If you're only drinking milk and have not gotten into the meat of the word, you're childlike. You're carnal. And you and I need to be teachers of the oracles of God recognizing that when we are not growing and developing and digging into the Word, we're weak because we have no strength to live out the truth. Warren Wiersbe in his Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, Mature believers understand the heavenly priesthood of Jesus Christ and know how to come to the throne of grace for help. They are skillful in using God's truth in their personal lives, and they can also teach others. Then he asks this question, do you qualify? Weakness is meekness. Training leads to discernment. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. When my son was growing up, he was involved in athletics. Joshua is not a natural athlete. Everything he did in athletics, he had to work at. And he had to practice. And he had to spend hours and hours and hours and hours. I have a friend. His name is Mike Pomoni. Mike was on the PGA Tour. Mike's the kind of golfer I'd like to be. But I don't want to be it the way Mike was it. Mike's dad was a golf instructor. And Mike tells me that as a young child, his dad would take him on the practice range and he would have bucket after bucket after bucket of balls until his hands were bleeding. Mike's a good golfer. Josh became a better basketball player. But folks, you and I cannot be discerning unless we work at it. It takes practice. It does not come naturally. We have to question what does our culture say and what does the Word of God say and how am I to live that out in my life? We need to ask ourselves, is this being culturally correct or Christ-like? If we're going to grow, if we're going to have growth in our lives, we're going to have to train ourselves to godliness. How do I eat solid food? Discernment. How do I get discernment? Constant practice. 
What do I practice? Knowing the difference between good and evil. How do I know good, the difference between good and evil? I listen correctly and act accordingly. That's it. And that brings us to holiness. Holiness. Knowing and then doing. Right? Obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so be ye holy. Be ye holy in all manner of life. Why? Because it's written, be holy, because I'm holy. That's discernment. Growth is not an easy thing. <laughs> it's a tough project. And the older I get, the tougher it gets. My father-in-law told me that exercise would just become brutal when you get older. He was right. I ache, and after I've sat for a while, i got to get up and move. And it takes a while to get up so I can move. You know what I'm saying? Aren't you glad this isn't a three-hour service? Boy, I got a lot of amens on that. But it's discernment. Discernment. And on this day that has been termed Sanctity for Life Sunday, you and I, as children of God, truth livers, need to understand that discernment is knowing good and living good and knowing evil and not doing evil in our lives. Let's pray together. Father. Thank you for your word. Truth, we've gone through these principles just in a very quick way this morning, but truth, help us to take them, help us to live them out, and help us, Father, to be discerning, knowing good and knowing evil. And Father, we'll thank you for all that you will accomplish in Jesus' precious name, amen.